Ladies and gentlemen, this is Talking Whatever Wednesday, and I am your host, alias Chuck Finley. And I am proud to bring to you my guest at this time, the reigning, defending, Ascend Pro Wrestling Rise Champion, Isaac Phineas Abney, IPA. And here we are with Isaac Phineas Abney, IPA, the Rise Champion of Ascend Pro Wrestling. Isaac, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So how's it feel, man, being the Rise Champion? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a weird feeling because I went into that match uh, only to handle one issue, and that was uh, my ex-partner, uh, Dalton Lakes. Uh, I, you know, I went in to beat uh to kick his ass and uh and then ended up being champion uh, kind kind of by accident so t- tell us uh how that whole situation came about i mean for those who aren't familiar you know break it down for us sure absolutely so uh uh, myself and Dalton came into APW together as a uh, tag team. Uh, as we say, we we're from the North or Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, and we traveled uh, to APW uh, to um, take on the tag team division. And uh, we we did fairly well. Uh, we didn't hold any championships uh, until uh, last year. We had a title uh, opportunity and came up short Do some... Uh, not being on the same page and Dalton decided to turn his back on me after that match. Um, and you know, he's like a younger brother to me and I took him under my wing when we became a tag team and I just, you know, want to show him from the ropes. He hadn't, hadn't really wrestled on, on shows before. So I took him under my wing. We became the brood, which was our tag team. Uh, and, uh, when he turned his back on me, I didn't want to fight him and he just kept, gnawing at me saying he wanted to fight me and uh i decided to take a sabbatical uh take a little break uh to wait for my uh uh son to be born my son was born and you know i decided that i was gonna step away from wrestling for a little bit to focus on becoming a dad and he just kept running his mouth and so in january uh i uh showed up at uh Wrestling Finale, uh, which was our big event uh, that featured uh, the ECW legend, Super Crazy. And uh, we showed up, I showed up there as a surprise uh, entrant in the six-man scramble elimination and came up short and Dalton won. And that title or that match uh, gave him a title shot. So then you jump to February where he was supposed to have his title match and he decided to go on a little vacation to Texas. Um, and I was looking for a fight, ran into Carson Drake. Uh, Carson Drake is, and I, not the first time that we've wrestled before, but, um, you know, he decided to run his mouth on all the things that Dalton was telling him about me, you know, uh, calling me unfit to be a father that, you know, that I'm unfit to be a wrestler and all that fun stuff. So, uh, I came up short in that, but Justin Xavier, the current or the, at that then time, uh, rise champion, uh, went to management and said he had an issue with somebody named Jaden jet, another guy in the rise division and ex tag partner to Justin. 
and Justin asked uh, if he could put Jaden Jett in the match with Dalton uh, in March. Uh, and management said, yeah. And I decided, well, since he has a Jaden Jett issue, I have a Dalton issue, and Dalton was also in that match, that I will join, make it a fatal four-way. I'll take care of Dalton. He takes care of Jaden Jett. And then that led to where we're at now, where I made Dalton submit uh, by putting uh, the crossface on him and uh, winning the Rise title. So that was a long-winded way to get here, but uh, to explain how we got here, but that's pretty much the, the gist of it. Nice, man. And I've seen your career since the beginning. Um, we first met in a wrestling group on Facebook where you announced, you know, that you were going to start training. And so I've seen from the sidelines, your growth and everything. And, you know, when you stepped away, I was like, I saw it. I'm like, good for him. You know, being a dad, stepping away, doing the right thing. Um, and you coming back, that was even a big surprise for me. You know, somebody, a uh, fan from the sideline, but not, you know, directly out there with you, as I should be. I apologize. No worries. Um, so, uh, for everybody, too, uh, he said the brood. Not That's not like Edge and Christian. That's uh, <laughs> the brood as in the beer. Yep. B-R-E-W-E-D, brood. It was uh, yes. kind of my cheeky way of, you know. An homage to the real brood. We were two. We we were two uh, two blonde Canadian guys coming down to ruffle some feathers at APW. Yeah. So we decided, hey, we'll call ourselves the brood. Did you have a goblet full of beer? Uh, we came out with the uh, beer, uh, the snifter glasses that you put. Uh, the snifter uh, glasses. Yeah, you put yeah. put uh, like high like IPAs in. Pun intended. <laughs> Pun intended. Yes, yes. Um, so what's up? What's next? Uh, do you, who's your next opponent? Do you have that lined up yet? So um, is there a challenger? Yeah, I believe uh, with management. I was just speaking to management earlier today. Actually, um, the plan is that uh, April fifteenth at the Norwood Norwood Rec Center in Cincinnati, APW will be hosting APW Go where I will be taking on Dalton Lakes uh, in a one-on-one match. Since he did secure a one-on-one match for the Rise title back in January, and he didn't get it due to him taking a vacation, and then uh, Justin putting in Jaden Jett and myself into the match. So he thinks it's unfair that he lost in a fatal four-way uh, when he should have had a one-on-one match. So he went to management and said, hey, I demand that I'm still the number one contender. I demand a one-on-one match. So Dalton and I will have a one-on-one at uh, APW Go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I would think the former champ would get the immediate rematch of, in, any, in any situation. How does Dalton even get to step in here? Uh, that see, is completely out of bounds, in my opinion. I, I asked the same question, and... Uh, as I said in my post-match interview after uh, the uh, event in March, um, the I you know if Justin wants a rematch, he is a two-time Rise champion. Uh, he is the only person to hold the Rise title tw- uh, more than once. Um, he, uh, 
I, I, you know, I told him that he can have a rematch whenever he wants, but he is also the current APW tag team champions with party Mike, and they have a real big match ahead of them coming up in, uh, April as well. So they got to defend the tag team titles. And I think Justin wants to focus on his, the tag team division for now. So who knows what will happen? You know, he, he will probably get a, a rematch eventually. Yeah, but still, man, that's, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I, I can't, this Dalton guy, I, I don't like it from what I'm hearing. Yeah, you know, and, I I didn't want to put my hands on him. I, you know, he was like a, he's like a younger brother to me. I didn't want to, want to beat him, but he kept on running, running his mouth and saying inappropriate things. So, you know, I had to take things into my own hands. It sounds a little bit like he thought he was the Shawn Michaels of the group. And he's finding out that he was the Marty Jannetty. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so far, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what it feels like to me. I think I honestly, if, if I could pick a, a moment, uh, of him is of his betrayal to me, it, it kind of mirrors, uh, a Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels feel to me. Well, did you punch your wife? Uh, well, you know what? Not yet. And he better not because he does. He might not breathe the next day. Gotcha. So how, how's it feel being a dad, man? How, how's, how's your day to day? Oh man. I, I wish I could say that, you know, it was just a normal day to day schedule, but you know, any parent out there tell you that there is no such yeah. thing as a schedule. <laughs> It is not. There's no such thing. Uh, but no, I'm loving it. I love I love being a dad. I love being able to uh, take him to events and let him. I mean, he's still only he's just shy of three months old. He'll be three months old next week. And uh, so, you know, he came to his first event uh, last month when I won the Rise title. So you got to see his pops, you know, win a championship, which was pretty special to me. How do you react react to the uh, the color you got? Let's say, oh man, um, he was, he's probably not paying attention too much to that because he's still young. But my my family that was there, they they weren't too keen about it. I, I bet it's not a. I mean, it's, it's still a, a smaller show, smaller venue. Sure. So yeah, so uh, you know, me being on the outside, just a, a fan, I assume there's not like an ambulance waiting in the back. You know? Oh no, no, not at all. When you when you take a a belt shot to the head, uh, and start to bleed uh, like a stuffed pig, yeah, and and you go to the back to clean yourself up, you're kind of left alone to your own vices to figure out how to stop the bleeding. And it was it was a nice, you know, just throw a band aid over it and fine. Thankfully, I didn't need any stitches or throw any super glue on it or anything like that. Thankfully the just, cut wasn't too big. I was going to say super glue. Oh yeah. I've had to put super glue on a cut before. So I know, I know how to take care of it. <laughs> so I want to go back to, uh, to, to the beginning. Sure. How long ago did you start training? Uh, let's see. I started in January. It was right after my 27th birthday. So it was January 2017, I believe. Okay. So yeah, 2017. So it's been about six years, a little over six years. Okay. And 
how would you think how, what do you think about um your expectations going in versus the reality six years later you know oh boy um honestly i i can be completely honest it it, it like started out fairly late compared to everyone else that was in my class who were all either between the ages of, you know, 18 and 23. And I was Mm -hmm. damn near 30 at the, when starting out. So, um, and, uh, and the only life I had prior to that was playing music and, and being a musician. So, um, so I, I just wanted to see if I could do it. That was, that was my main goal. That was the first goal was to be able to do it. And I, not only did I get, get to train and stuck with it, even getting injured, uh, about like once or twice, uh, during training before I had my first match. Um, and then I became a referee for several years, um, and wrestling at the same time. Uh, and that was, that was a big experience. So, when starting out, like just being able to train and ref and then wrestle sometimes was like the big goal. I didn't really see anything past that um, until I, until I started surrounding myself about around people that I trusted and people that I could look up to and, you know, throw ideas and for them to tell me that they sucked or they were good or they weren't sure what, if it sucked or not, but that I should try it to see if it worked. If it didn't go back to, to the drawing board. And is there anyone uh, out there that's, you know, going to give a shout out to as far as, you know, giving you those tips and advice uh, and training or even afterward. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a couple, uh, the fir- first one um, uh, to somebody that, that helped me craft my, the first, character the first gimmick that I ever came up with uh um i was a huge help from a a gentleman uh the great titan he wrestles locally in the cincinnati area as well he wrestles uh main prior mainly for a different promotion uh called the nwf um he really helped me find uh the the original character was called uh the shadow and he really helped me f- find that character so i really owe a lot to like character creation and and getting into the mind set of something because it was kind of just handed to me the gimmick was handed to me they're like here's the name this is kind of like what we have come up with something and titan was somebody that uh who i confide with really bounced ideas off he helped me shoot damn near every promo that i ever shot that was like a video with extra production that's all titan titan did that um another person that that i owe pretty much helping me get my foot in the door and just somebody to help me was the uh bare knuckle berserker or the merciless uh lord crew uh he he is a he's a good friend i consider him a good friend um and he he's the one that uh, helped me get my foot in the door and introduced me uh, to who trained me and introduced me to uh, other people in the business. So yeah, I I owe those two two guys so much. And if you had to give any advice to you know people wanting to break into the business now, what would you give them? Honestly, 
I it's it's weird to to have you ask me that question because I've never thought about like I'm always the one that wants to hear the the nugget of information that the other person says like hey you know what's your advice and then I'm waiting at bated breath just to hear what they have to say so now you're asking me to say that I just do it honestly go for it um don't let anybody else prevent you from pursuing pro wrestling uh it it's it's a lot tougher than it looks and i'm sure everybody has probably said that uh, until they were blue in the face but it's way harder than it looks it's a lot of work a lot of dedication but don't let other people tell you how dedicated you need to be or what to do and what not to do find your own path it pro wrestling is so uh what's the word um subjective that's the word it's when it comes down to it figure out the basics figure out what you want to do figure out your goals and go for it that's that's pretty much the best advice i could get give i should say give <laughs> and i think we can take away from that too what you mentioned you know that you always do asking advice from those who know more than you you know always. that too always look to improve like that yeah, I couldn't tell you the countless times that, you know, I've been in in locker rooms with guys that have been on TV or just big big enough names that people know who they are and and just, you know, I'm I'm a bit shy and been a bit anxious person. So, I necessarily don't ask a whole a lot of questions even though a lot of people encourage you to, you know, uh ask questions, but I'm not the one typically asking questions but i am the one listening if if anything if you're too shy or too nervous to ask question uh especially if you're in a group setting and you don't want to ask a question that might you know you feel embarrassed to ask or something like that just listen because there countless free information just flowing from a lot of these veterans uh you know stories they they'll tell you a goofy story about how they were on a 12-hour travel and you can literally learn something from just their travel stories and Mm -hmm. so i encourage keep your ears open if you don't have a genuine question just keep keep your mouth shut and just listen that's the that's the best way to go through it nice um well that's it man i don't have any any more questions for you i can't think of anything else uh what do you want to leave here with today um not sure i was just looking for good conversation talk about wrestling because honestly i could talk wrestling all day long i i am a i am a student of the game for sure uh but i'm also i i when it comes comes to what part uh, you know what kind of student i am i am a historical nut so i know a lot of stuff about wrestling and history and uh and it's one subject that i could really pull random facts out, like start talking to them and then, you know, I'll figure out how to find the answer to it. If somebody's like, Oh, what's that from? And I'm like, either I know it or I can probably figure out how to find the answer. So I love, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, and especially local, uh, wrestling history. I, I'm a nut for Cincinnati based wrestling because there's so much that has happened and come through here. Yeah, I know. Um, See, I was at an NWF show when I was 16, so it was like 
96. Um, <clears throat> guy that came in, didn't wrestle. He just had an interview that match that, that night for some stupid reason. Why are you going to bring a guy all the way, you know, and just to do an interview is weird. Uh, but it was Chris Justice. Ah, yes. We know him as Abyss. Yes. So I, this tall, tall dude, spiky black hair, sun, the dark sunglasses on at night, whatever. I'm let that go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then I see him years later. I'm like, that is a drastic character change, sir. <laughs> yeah, he what he's such a, a, a sweetheart, too. He's so nice. Like when I was I, I kind of goofed. Uh, and I wouldn't say like a, a big botch or a big mistake or anything like that as a ref, but I, I ref, I've refed a lot of his matches and he, I mean, if there's anything that I could approve on, approve on, he would just pull me aside and say, and it's very intense because you have like a seven foot literal monster talking to you, even though he's being nice and he's talking to you in a, a nice tone, it's still a little terrifying, especially when you grew up watching him on TV. So you have him telling me, you know, the best ways to prevent uh, certain things or how to go in a certain situation to make the wrestler not look stupid. And especially the referee. I mean, the referee can be absolutely dunked on if not, if they don't carry themselves a certain way or the wrestlers just don't, care enough to you know just make the referee look like the shit yeah you've still got to be like looking as if you're or you've got to be in control as the referee sure um how explain that role um roughing roughing a match what is uh what's your priority there like what are you looking to accomplish as the ref the the best way and i always try to like there's a lot of young refs that i like because refing carries such a like very close place in my heart because that's where I got my start and I'm very particular on making sure the ref doesn't look dumb and uh the uh to me the best way to I explain to new refs and young refs is is because I have a music background is the referee is the bass player of the band not necessarily front and center and not necessarily making it uh you know a big you know presence however however they are there to keep everyone on rhythm and everyone on time and they carry the band in a way that is almost not seen if that makes sense so if you have a bad sense. ref if if you have a bad ref you're going to have a bad match if you have a good ref a bad match can be a good match so it really comes down to having a ref that knows their awareness knows how to listen because that is a big 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 thing is having refs that aren't listening because i can't tell you how many times i've had to speak to a ref in the middle of a match to get to relay a message or someone was hurt or something you know it could be countless things and you try to communicate with them and if they're not listening it could really take that match in a downward spiral. So that's that's kind of that's kind of what what a ref is there for. It's, he is the communicator. He is the one, or she uh, is the one to you know keep everything on time, 
to help tell the story because you're just as much as a storyteller as the wrestlers are. Um, if you have a ref that shows that, that they don't care or they don't believe what's going on in the ring, then the fans aren't going to believe or care what's going on. Uh, it, it's it, it was like the person that that I didn't mention earlier. I didn't mean mean to skip on them. But uh, the person that trained me, Roger Ruffin, he's a legend in his own right, and he refed for Heard the biggest. Yeah, he's he's refed for the biggest company. Uh, you know, he he's been to WrestleMania, so he got to ref at WrestleMania. So he, if anyone to listen to when it comes to refing, he's the one to listen to it. He would instill so much, you know, knowledge in me, and and I would approach him and literally ask him because he was my trainer, so it was a lot easier to go to him maybe like all right so i feel like this isn't working as a ref what what would you do and he would sit me down and be like well what you're doing isn't bad but if you just did it just differently like this that this would make it stand out 10 times more and he 100 of the time he was correct like uh you know making your counts mean something you know every count you know if you're half-assing a count even though it's not the finish your your first count first pin and you're making that not seem like it's the end of the match even though you're only a minute into the match then you're not doing your part for the match you know you gotta make make every moment seem like it matters okay we got interrupted I got a call come in oh you're good I sincerely apologize oh, um Last I heard was you saying about him saying how to make your your counts count. Basically. Yeah, yeah, just just basically not half-assing it, making sure you are, uh, you know, making sure every moment means something, even though it's the first pin of the match. Make that mean something because yes, everyone probably thinks, oh, this isn't the end of the match. But if the ref makes it seem like it's the end of the match the fans are going to care. And that's, that's pretty yeah. much what it comes down to is you want to care to be a ref. You got to want it be you, like as a kid, you know, first starting out, my, my whole goal was to wrestle, not ref, but I dove head first into refing and wanted to be a good ref. And that's was kind of like a, a kind of a, downfall for me not not a downfall but it was like a double-edged sword where i was good enough i was good enough as a ref that it was they didn't want to lose me and even though and so they didn't want to fully promote me to just being a wrestler so i was that's kind of one of the reasons why i got pigeon-toed for about three and a half years where i was mainly a ref and not a wrestler i gotta say not many kids grow up wanting to be the ref no, I mean, one, one of my good friends, uh, his name's Aaron Greider. He, he came in solely to ref, uh, he older, a little older, but he's a damn good ref. He's one of the, but he's refed over a thousand matches and he's only been trained, only refing for three years, three, four years. So and he came in about a year or two after I started training. So yeah, he's probably about three, four years in and he's refed over thousands of matches and He's he's a hell of a character too, and he loves character work, and uh, so much so that I mean, they even though he's a ref, 
he is getting a storyline angle down at OVW and he's had, he's in this like uh storyline where he, where he's in like this love triangle or some sort like love, you know, flirtation angle of some sort. Um, can't always watch the products. So I can't give you the full, uh, lay down of what lowdown of what, uh, he's, what the story is. But I mean, he loves it. He loves his business. Uh, and you know, even as a ref, he's getting a storyline. Right. And I, and I wasn't shitting on refs. I'm just sure. saying, you know, like you grow up, you want to be the ultimate warrior. You don't want to be, you know, Earl Hebner. Sure. I mean, sure. Earl's uh, Earl was always an integral part of every match he was in. Absolutely. You know, like every referee is, but no, no kid was like, I want to be that guy. It, it, it's, it's crazy. Cause <laughs> you look, you look like, like I used to ask, uh, Roger all the time I'd be like all right so I want to study tape because I mean I watch wrestling all the time especially now all I'm watching is wrestling 90% of my day uh even while working I've got wrestling playing just so I can you know it's tape study that's how I look at it and refing the camera's never really focusing on just the ref so when I was first starting out I'm like hey you know, how can I study refing? And he's like, you know, it's going to be very difficult because the camera's never really on the ref. He's like, but here are some refs to keep an eye on and find matches with them. And, and once you get a brief moment to watch them, watch how they, how they interact. And Earl Hebner in the uh, unsanctioned match in 2003, Summer Slam, Slam 2003, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, mm-hmm. some of the best refing ever even though it's it wasn't a typical match the emotion and the expression and how earl hebner carried that match that's you know that that's what you want in a referee is someone that that seems like they care about what's going on in the match well you know i really never thought about it like that you know the the referee's perspective of what they have to do. I really appreciate your input on all this, man. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And just real, like the last bit, it's like you look at an actual referee in a boxing match or even UFC and MMA, you know, they, they care about their job enough and that's how a professional referee should come off to the crowd. It's the same way they care. This is their job. This They clocked in, they're taking care of their job. They want to make sure everyone walks out of the match alive. And that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's how I always went about refing. Did you ever have a time as a referee had to stop a match? Cause somebody might have like gotten hurt or something like that. Uh, yes. Um, there was a match. Uh, it didn't get stop, stop, but there was a moment in a match where it was, I remember who it was too. It was Christopher Michael Lotus versus Lexus Montez. And um, Christopher uh, hit the top of his head on the post. He took like a buckle bomb spot and he bounced. I can't, or maybe he was posted. I can't remember exactly, but he was cracked open at the top of the head and he was bleeding everywhere. And I told him pretty much, I told him, I was like, listen, we're getting the entire mat covered in blood and we only have one mat. So we got to wrap this up quickly so it was kind of a one of those things where i was like hey he's bleeding bad uh get go home and it was they did a, a little spot and a roll up one two three and then we were out of there 
So it wasn't a complete stoppage. Um, I did. There was another match uh, where there was a um, Spanish fly done from the top rope to the outside of the ring to a bridged ladder. And they they only one of them actually hit the ladder and the other one was knocked out completely, had a really bad concussion. I wasn't the one officiating that, but I was I was on the side just in case of something crazy happened. So when the match was over, I did go out there and assist uh, with the uh, person that was knocked out unconscious. Uh, poor, poor guy. He, he his name was uh, Calypso. Um, he uh, gosh, he, his career pretty much came to a halt a couple months after that, unfortunately, because he just didn't, he didn't want to deal. I guess, I guess the concussion scared him enough where he didn't want to mess with it anymore. And he, he, he was built for this business. And it's so, so sad that, that, uh, you know, he had to call it quits. Yeah. I just hear a Spanish fly off the top of the, off the top onto a ladder um, and just go, Guys, you're in an indie show. Yeah, I. It's it was it was our biggest show of the year, and the veteran in that match. He's like a, 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 a I think he was like almost a 20 year veteran. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but uh, wrestling wise, he was he was great. Um, but sometimes some of his decisions and his pressure. I don't think Calypso really wanted to do the spot. But the pressure of him uh, winning that night and winning a championship for the first time, and he was only a couple months in, and they were pushing him to the moon. And I think he felt that pressure, and I uh. feel like he... I, I mean, and he, I, this could be completely wrong. This is just me on the outside observing just speculating, this, yeah, speculating. Yeah. That, that, and that's all we're doing here is speculating. We're not saying anything definite. Sure. I just... Don't I, come at me like I'm... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> don't come in, um, don't come at me like I'm uh shit what's his name CM Punk's former friend oh uh 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 Colt Cabana <laughs> Colt Cabana this is not Colt Cabana's podcast <laughs> I'm yeah. just a dude yeah I Please don't at me yeah I I it just it just seemed like the pressure was on and and he you know he trusted you know the veteran to take care of him make sure nothing bad happened not saying that it was the veteran's fault but i feel like they could have told the same story by doing something less risky at a show that only had maybe 100 people at i get it i mean and i also understand the mindset too that you want to do something big Mm -hmm. you know trust me let's i do too let's tone it down I, I get that too. There's sometimes where i come up with crazy ideas and i have to have somebody talk me out out of it some Sometimes it's my wife, you know, it's like, yeah, you're doing this for 50 to maybe a hundred, maybe 300 people. Like, is it worth doing that spot with the risk? Is the risk worth the award? And sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, you just want to do it just to do it. And so that could have been that situation. You know, they wanted to do something insane. I mean, that picture of them doing the Spanish fly off the top to the outside still floats around locally. So, it, you know, that photo still lives and breathes, you know, on the Internet. So maybe that maybe that's oh, worth it all. It sounds amazing, but his career is cut entirely short. Yeah. Off of one move. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean. The smart mark in me is, you know, hearing all this and going, dude, was it worth it? You know, yeah. I'd rather see a guy have a 20 year career. Okay. Mm-hmm. And never get hurt. 
than, you know, thinking that we're all ECW. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I, I, mean, I agree with that. Absolutely. We like like a guy like the Miz. Say what we we want about his style, all right? I never hear about him getting hurt. I never hear about him hurting his opponents. To be fair, you know, he's he seems really careful and cautious. Oh, as yeah. opposed to, you know, other guys we would see in the ring just laying it all out there and killing them and their opponents, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I I love them is like like I know a lot of people don't care for him, but I like as a wrestling oh, I style. I love the character. I love the character. His wrestling <laughs> style, his character, I I think it, it's great. I think uh honestly, I think he's one of my favorites. Uh somebody uh somebody uh said something to me one time that they that my wrestling style when I was first starting out, my wrestling style reminded them a lot of the Miz, and a lot of people thought that was an insult to me. I was like, I don't know if you mean that as an insult or not, but I take it as a, as a, a compliment because it's pretty much what you said. How many times has he hurt somebody or how many times has he been hurt himself because of his wrestling style? He doesn't, he's right. not known to hurt people. He's not known to get hurt himself. So I, I took that as a compliment, even if it was like a backhanded compliment. I think it comes from what, uh, what Danielson said about to him like it was on like a thing after SmackDown, whatever it was. Oh yeah, I remember uh, he that. called him a coward because of his style, and I'm, and I'm like, no man, he's he's cautious, you know. Yeah, you also want- not doing a diving headbutt. Longevity, you know, of this business because this business, I mean, it's even even if you have the easiest match, you don't bump a whole bunch. Your body's still taking way more trauma than it should. Yeah, like your body is your product in this in wrestling am i is that a fair a fair comparison yeah like um absolutely like Corey graves because of his concussions his in-ring career was cut short he can no doubt be making a lot more money as an in-ring talent than just as an announcer right right exactly and he's a damn good announcer too like that guy yeah. that guy and and yeah in his career like like you were saying his career can go so much further now and he's still in the business uh and still gets to wake up every day and wrestling is his career wrestling is his what puts food you know on the on the table so the the it, it, he's he's an inspiration because he was given what seemed like a career what was a career ending and he was going to have to start at you know ground zero and and he probably thought he was going to have to go do something completely different that he didn't want to do and he had great mic skills and got even better and now he's one of the better announcers on tv right now yeah i would really like actually to see him as like a manager I think he would really excel in that role too. I think but that's just me. I think just they, a guy. didn't they like start hitting at that at one point a couple of years ago and then it kind of fizzled off. I think he was, I can't remember who they put him with, but it was like just a and short thing. If, if it was even that, I don't remember it. Yeah, exactly. It was probably that brief, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, who did you, uh, who did you, idolized as a kid who who made you want to be a wrestler oh man that's such a loaded question uh 
<laughs> it's such a low question because my favorite wrestler is not looked at uh, in the greatest light anymore. Um, oh shit, dude! I know who you're gonna say. And yeah, yeah. One of mine too. Yeah, it, it, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. He, I, I know who you're gonna say. Yeah. Uh, Wah. You know, yes. Yes. Wah. Yes. Correct. All right. Yeah. We don't have to say the name. Yeah. He, but yeah, he he was. I, I had a cat named after him. That's how obsessed uh, oh. with him I was as a Crispin. Kid. Come here, Crispin. <laughs> yeah. Wah. <laughs> yeah. He. So he was definitely like, uh, you know, one of my inspirations for wrestling style. Um, the. And I, somebody that I that I hated and loathed as a kid because you're supposed to, but now looking back and watching his matches, he's one of the best, if not the best, you know, wrestlers that had a long career is Triple H. I think Triple H is the best punches in the game and a style that, <laughs> that cannot Yeah. Uh yeah, he, he in a style that cannot be replicated. I don't think like he carries himself completely different than a lot of wrestlers. Uh, and so Triple H is somebody that I go and look at. And then another one that I think is probably like that that is my all time favorite is uh, William Regal. He's under yes. he's underappreciated, like in in a. Not not necessarily in by the fans anymore because people are realizing how good he was, but he I still think he's not as appreciated as he should be. I he should have been so much bigger and so much more of a presence than he that he ended up being because he's, he's so damn good, so good. But it took it took you know guys like Danielson and uh, you know any you know NXT roster guys all those guys to be like listen Regal was amazing and we're all and we're all products of him now you know so mm-hmm. so yeah Regal Regal's definitely in my top 5 for sure along with Triple H and I yeah. I, I swear my top 5 wrestlers of all time rotate all the time because it depends yeah, on no, yeah, and, and that's fair. Yeah, it, de- it depends. Your, I, your opinion is going to change over time. Exactly, and it depends because like who am I been watching? Holy crap, they're they're definitely one in my top five rotation right now. But I think the top two that stay in the top five at all times and never are removed is Regal and Triple H. Yeah, go back and watch. Um... Regal with those world television title runs in WCW. Some of those the best. were amazing. Some of the yeah. best. He, he, like, like that is somebody that if I ever had the opportunity in a professional setting, not necessarily like a meet and greet fan meet and greet, but if I met him like in a professional setting, I, that would, that would be somebody that I'd be like, just, just talk. Just, just let me listen to you talk because I'm sure, you know, in a 30 minute to a four hour conversation, I'm going to get some kind of nugget of knowledge and information from you because that, that, that guy has so much of it. I can see it now. Him walking down the, down the hallway and being like, Isaac, why are you following me? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, (laughs) pretty much. I'm I'm going to the, I'm going to the loo. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. Cause I, I'd be obsessed with, uh, with just hearing him talk about wrestling or, or just like, you know, 
I don't know. It, like when they did the tough enough, when they brought tough enough back and he was like talking and drilling people. Same with uh, fucking uh, gun, Billy gun, like Billy gun. He, I mean, he was more of a drill sergeant than, than, uh, you know, giving, uh, I mean, he gave great information, but for TV, he was being a drill sergeant, but William Regal, anything NXT or tough enough or whatever. And they were, you know, sharing how to do stuff that I was just stuck to stuck to the TV, just soaking it up. I get it. Well, Hey man, um, we're going on for about an hour now. Sure. Um, that show coming up, uh, where is it at again? And what time? What's the bell time? Uh, we are, it'll be bell time, I believe, is 7, uh, April 15th at uh, the Norwood Rec Center, APW Go. Uh, it's a little kind of a, a, a Pokemon themed wrestling event without actually being an official Pokemon wrestling. So it's going to be kind of goofy in a sense, but it'll still be. So- uh, tons so of Digimon. Fun. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, you can catch catch us there uh, April 15th, uh, 7 o'clock, I believe is bell time. Um, and the other thing is this weekend uh, is um, uh, I'm 7th and the 8th, April 7th and 8th, uh, Squared Circle Expo in Indianapolis. Uh, go see all your favorite wrestlers from past, present, and future, maybe. Eh, there's going to be tons, tons of fun stuff to do that matches as well. Um, definitely check it out. Okay. Speaking of future, uh, tell us, uh, everybody where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. Uh, on, uh, Instagram, uh, you can follow me at Isaac Phineas Abney, uh, on Twitter. It's Isaac P Abney, uh, Facebook. It's full name again, Isaac Phineas Abney, uh, I Z A K P H I N E A S A B N E Y. I've got a long name. I apologize. Uh, and anywhere else, uh, it's pretty much just going to be my full name. You can find me there. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitch. I stream occasionally. So check me out everywhere. And uh, don't be shy. I love love to talk wrestling. All right. Isaac Phineas Abney, IPA. Thank you so much, man, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's it. Again, go check this man out. He is the future. Okay. And I'm not saying that just as a smart mark. Well, maybe I am. Thanks.